is happening, everybody. I'm Larry Roberts. And I'm Sarah Losey, and this is Brando, your comprehensive guide to creative branding. And on this episode of the podcast, we're going to talk about public speaking. And we're speaking about speaking. We are speaking about speaking this week. And I think it's going to be fun because both of us have very different views on public speaking for building your brand and the approach that we take and the fulfillment that we get or absolutely do not get out of the experience. So here we go, man. Uh, I think we have the same views on it. Like we both think it's necessary. We just have different feelings about it because I hate doing it. Right, right. And I love doing it. I get a kick out of it. Um, it's very fulfilling. It's it's almost competitive to me in a sense in that I'm... What is it? What, say it again? What? What is it competitive for you? Oh, yeah, there's always that too. But at the same time, for me personally, speaking is competitive with myself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like every time you get off stage, you compare it to your last time. Like you're always, I think that one was good, but I think the last one was better or that one was better than the last one. So you you, you do definitely make it a competition for yourself. Oh, 100%. And it, it, it feels like competing you know i used to love competing back in the old karate days whenever i would have a a kickboxing fight or an early days mma fight uh it it feels the same to me as getting in the ring or in the cage as walking on a stage and that sounds so ridiculous but in my personal experience the pressure is is so similar you see it's very familiar or similar to me too from when I was competing as a kid because I was a competitive gymnast and I hated competing. And I remember my first ever competition, I was I walked up onto the floor for my floor routine and I forgot it entirely. And I think it's like a minute and a half floor routine. I think I spent 45 of those seconds just walking in circles, doing cartwheels and forward rolls <laughs> in front of all of the judges and audience. Yeah. And I still scored like a 7.25. And I think a 7.5 was what you needed to make it to States. So I was so close, even though I didn't do anything, <laughs> which is weird. But yeah, that's about how I feel when I'm speaking. It's I'm an idiot. I forgot everything. And please don't make me do this again. Yeah, and in direct contrast, I'm like I'm I'm standing there, I'm getting ready to go on stage, and I'm about to be punched in the mouth, and <laughs> that's exactly how it feels. But when okay, I, I only did that once, and I said it was an accident. Okay, well, I, I did it multiple times, and I got punched in the mouth multiple times. <laughs> but 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 typically, I got my hand raised at the end of the competition and was the winner, and it feels so similar to when I'm able to deliver a powerful talk that I know resonates with my audience. Yeah, I don't like it. I don't want to do it. I'm going to do it a lot, but I hate it. Uh, Well, I love it because, again, it just gives me that feeling. It's that competitive feeling. Before I even go on stage, I'm hyped or I'm trying to get hyped. And I'm also trying to convince myself that, dude, you, you are a thought leader. You are the expert. You do have a story to share. These people are going to resonate with you. So I have those little voices in my head, but I have to overcome those to take that step on stage and then try to facilitate the engagement that I need for the talk that I'm giving. So we just got back from a speaker event. It was a two-day workshop on becoming a great speaker. 
and the room was full and everyone's really engaged. So obviously being a speaker is something that people want to do. Yeah. Yeah. But like, why? Like I, what is, what is the benefit? Like, why do we get up on stage? Why do we speak at events? Like what, what, what are we doing this for? Well, I think we're doing it because people, when, whenever you're on stage, people automatically look at you in an elevated position because even though this event we just came back from did not have a physical stage, uh, it was by choice because the, uh, the, the room had originally had a stage that was installed and we asked them to remove it because we wanted to be more engaged with the audience. But regardless of whether you're on a three foot elevated stage physically or not, you're in a very prominent position in front of a captive audience. And where else do you have that opportunity to establish your brand and establish yourself as a thought leader other than being in front of a room of a captive audience? They're there and they're listening to you. I mean, that is such a, a, an insane position to be in and a position that is very difficult to achieve, you know, outside of potentially buying time on a television network or something. Yeah. I still don't want to do it. <laughs> <laughs> But it, it is important and it is something that if you want to build a brand and you want, especially if you want to be seen as a thought leader, it's something that you really have to do. But it can, it, like you said, it can be hard, a hard position to get into. And there was a few people at the event that were talking about the ways you can kind of get started. Yeah. And I really loved the suggestions or ones that I make um, all the time too, but like, if you want to get started as a speaker, starting on like webinars. Yeah. I mean, I, and I'm sure I've already told the story here on Brandon. The goose egg story. But yeah. Yeah. The goose egg story, but I got to tell it again because we're talking about speaking. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, where I got started was, was doing Facebook lives, man. I found a, a, a friend of mine. He's a friend of mine to this day that was doing these online events. And uh, he gave me the opportunity to come on and do a presentation. And it was, uh, I was quote unquote speaking and I'm playing with a clothespin right now for some reason. So you can see it on the video, but yeah, if you're, if you're listening, I am playing with a clothespin right now, uh, but I was able to come on this, this uh, we'll call it an event. He had this little online event that was going on and he allowed me to be a speaker. And I came on and I had my PowerPoint presentation and I had my 30 minutes to talk. And man, I, I gave it my all. I did everything I could to make sure that that PowerPoint presentation and my talk was on point, even though, here we go, Sarah, this is just for you. This was, this was broadcast <laughs> live on Facebook. And if you've ever gone live on Facebook, you know, if you look in that top left-hand corner, you can see how many people are watching. And so many times, Sarah, how many people were watching? Goose egg. Zero. That is correct. So nobody was watching. But you know what was happening? I could give all of your talks, I swear. <laughs> <laughs> but you, you know, and, and, and here, let's just let's just let's let's get off base just a little bit here. I love the fact that you can give all my talks. You know why? Why? Because they're consistent. They're yeah. true. They are real stories that everyone listening right now can relate to. Because while I may repeat the stories over and over again, I'm typically, other than for Sarah and maybe a few others that I know in real life, they're typically different stories that allow you as the listener to relate to my personal experience. And that's why I share them time and again. And while we're talking about being a potential speaker, 
that's how you resonate with an audience as well, is giving those stories, giving yeah. those anecdotes, sharing your experiences. That's how your audience relates to the fact that you are now in a position that either they want to be in or that they respect and will then hire you or hire your brand to provide them with the service or the product that they're looking for. Yeah. And things like those Facebook lives and webinars and things, they're so powerful because yeah. it's you, everyone has heard if you, if it, like opportunity doesn't come to you, create your own opportunity, you're just creating your own stage. So it can be very difficult to get on a stage at an event, at a conference, a symposium, whatever it is, that can be a really hard thing to do. Sure. So you can just create your own stage. Anybody can put on a webinar. Yeah. And yeah. throw an ad on Facebook, make an event on Facebook or, or LinkedIn, add it to Eventbrite. So many ways that you can just promote this event that you are putting on yourself to get people to come see you speak. And it doesn't matter if it's virtual or in person. So if like this is something that you're wanting to do, explore that option because it's so easy to facilitate and you don't need to ask anyone for permission. You don't have to get an invitation. You just do it. Well, that's the hardest thing. People are going, how do I become a speaker? How do I get on stage? Well, if, if you're having difficulty getting on a stage or finding some place to present your brand or your message, then like Sarah said, man, just jump up there and do your own thing. But there are also a ton of uh, existing events and organizations that are always holding either meetings or talks or conventions or events. There's all these opportunities for you to get out there. And I, I think today we were going to talk about some of the ways that you can prepare yourself in order to either apply or reach out and connect with some of these event promoters and get on their stages. So you speak on stages more often than I do, partially because you have a bigger brand than I do at the moment and partially because you like doing it and I avoid it. But I know a lot of your opportunities just come from networking. Yeah, it's crazy because people are like, where do you apply? How do you find all these events and how do you apply? And in all honesty, I'm in a, we'll, we'll call it a fairly advantageous position because I do get asked to speak. And I've never, I, because here, here, full disclosure, okay, this is for our audience here. Full disclosure, I hate applying to talks. And if somebody tells me to apply, odds are I'm, I'm not going to apply. Now, that doesn't come from arrogance. It comes from fear. <laughs> because all honesty, I don't like being told no. It yeah. hurts my feelings if somebody says no. So I typically, I remember the last time you were told no, and you were kicking rocks for months. Oh, dude, yeah, it's it's gonna uh, it's gonna I'm gonna feel it deep in my soul. Yeah. I'm gonna be like, oh my god, why why wouldn't they pick me? So me personally, I may have taken a bit more of a scenic route to get into the speaking game than maybe I needed to. Because again, I don't like being told no. So I built up a network of individuals by going to a variety of different networking organizations here in Dallas and some some national uh, or organizations that are virtual. So I had this opportunity to connect with other, uh, we'll call them event planners and, and, and other individuals that were involved in organizations that needed speakers that then come to me and they go, hey, Larry, I'd love to have you speak here. I'd love to have you speak there. So that was my approach because I love being asked. But there is so much opportunity out there for you 
to lay that foundation and actually apply to be a speaker. And Sarah, I know you and I, we've been working together over the past, I don't know, we'll say month or so uh, to try to find additional events outside of our normal networking arenas that would give us the opportunity to present our branded brand to a brand new audience. Yeah. So you take the networking um, route, which isn't a bad thing. I mean, that if you're get if you go to all these events and you're able to meet these people and they're inviting you on stages, that's amazing. And I don't think like you say, like you're in an advantageous position. It's you're only in that position because you put yourself there because right. you went, you, you showed up continuously and you proved that like you would be a great speaker. And I go to events as well, but I don't necessarily go there with like a speaker persona. <laughs> so I'm not really going there. People don't meet me and say like, oh, I should put that girl on stage. In fact, at this event that we just came from, the first thing a person said to me was at your age, what oh, is possibly that you could teach me, which was fun. So I, I instead generally do take the application route and there are different organizations you can join or different websites you can use that will actually give you a list of events that yeah. are having their call for speakers. Personally, I use innovation women. Um, I just found it online once I, I don't have any reason that I use it. It's just the one that showed up on Google, sure. uh, but I signed up. It was a hundred something dollars for the year for a membership. And it'll just give me all of these, like every event in the world that is currently having a call for speakers. So I can just go find them, go to their website and send in that application. And the way that you get disappointed when you don't get chosen, yeah. I'll get shocked when I do. <laughs> but, <laughs> but for a reason though, because if I'm speaking at an event, like, for the most part, I'm not doing it for fun because I don't right. find it fun. I'm doing right. it because I want to find clients. I'm doing it as marketing. And event planners know that and they don't choose you when you're one of them. <laughs> I am definitely, I mean, I am thoughtful about it and I'm careful to actually present value and not have the whole presentation be a sales pitch. Sure. But I definitely do have that ulterior motive and I do put my contact info out and in hopes that someone will reach out to me and want to uh, hire me for a podcast or branding, whatever it is. But the, the planners can sense that and they do realize it. So they don't put you on their stage. So right. when I do get chosen, I'm usually confused. <laughs> and like, did they not notice that I do the thing I'm pitching about and I'm not actually in their industry. I'm about to speak at a real estate conference and I'm not in real estate. That right. wasn't obvious. So I just get confused, but I am more, still more than happy to go and do it. And by more than happy, I mean terrified and I don't want to, but I'll, I'll go. Well, I think it's necessary. You know, I mean, yes. in, in today's environment, we have to be thought leaders in our space. That's what everybody is looking for. Someone that stands out uh, in the crowded marketplace of whatever our particular industry is. And speaking is one of the best ways to do that. So, uh, you know, what's going along the lines of the fact that you're speaking at a real estate conference in just a couple of weeks, which I will be there once again in the pink hat. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'm so excited. You know, it kind of demonstrates the fact that we kind of have to get outside our comfort zone a little bit in order to really start making that impact that we're looking for from a stage. You know, when when you and I first started speaking, we were both speaking in the podcast industry. 
Yeah. We were going to podcast conferences, talking to other podcasters and other podcast producers. And we were talking about how to be successful in the podcasting industry. The problem there is, is that most people in the audience and most people that were speakers talk about the same thing. Yeah. So if we're going there trying to find clients in our industry, we were really speaking to our own people not people that would potentially be our clients. And that's why I think it's amazing that, you know, we're recording this on a Monday this week because we were out of town. We didn't do our typical Thursday recording. Recording on Monday. Wednesday, you're speaking at an educators conference here in Texas. So you're going to be talking to teachers and educators about the power of podcasting. Then, as you mentioned, in a couple of weeks, we're both going to be in Orlando. You are going to be speaking at a real estate conference on the power of podcasting in real estate. And you can see that you are venturing out and talking to all these different other industries that could benefit from the power of podcasting versus getting into our echo chamber of other podcasters and saying what, well, typically what everybody in the audience already knows. Yeah. And that was a very intentional decision. And it's something that me and you had talked about for a while. But when we speak at all these podcast conferences, it's for a different purpose, kind yeah. of like we speak at the podcast conferences because we want to be seen as the thought leader. And we want to, while we're surrounded by our peers that are in the same space, we want to show that we have like original ideas and we have things to add to the conversation. We are thought leaders in this space. But I don't go to the real estate conference so much to be a thought leader. I go to the real estate conference to make a sale. Right. So exactly. It's different exactly. goals. So when you're thinking about where you want to be speaking, that's kind of what you want to look at. And they'll have different impacts because we go to a podcast conference. We're not likely going to get clients while we're there because they already do it. They're already right. doing what it is we can help them do. And when we go to a real estate conference, they are not doing what we do. We do have the potential to sell them on our services, but it's not necessarily to be a thought leader because the real estate speakers are the thought leaders. That's, we're not in that space and they're not going to look at us as thought leaders in podcasting. They're going to look at us as, oh, that one girl that's podcasting. Right, right. Because it's just, but I'm just going to hopefully, because <laughs> I don't want any competition while I'm there. Hopefully it's just going to be me and you that are the podcast people. So we'll have more opportunities to get that attention. Right. But uh, now let's dial it back a little bit because we wouldn't have this opportunity to speak at the real estate conferences or, or all these different conferences that we're speaking at if we hadn't got our speaking career off the ground. Oh, 100%. And we started that where? Podcast conferences. We started that in the podcast industry because that was our niche. That's what we knew. And those were the opportunities that were afforded to us that gave us that chance to get on the stage. So while we, we, we're, we're to the point now where we're not necessarily using podcast conferences to gain clients, that's really where we got our, our start on stage. Yeah, and we, it's, there's still conferences that we do speak at. Be, and at this point, it's almost because... At least, at least for me, I don't, I don't know if it's the same for you. When you get your start somewhere, you almost feel like you owe it something. Oh, sure. 100%. Yeah. So I'll still go back to all the podcast conferences. I'll still speak at the podcast conferences, not like knowing that I'm not necessarily going to convert it to a client, but I want to share my knowledge. I want to share my experience with the 
rest of the industry. I want to give that to them because I feel like I've gotten so much from this industry. It's my turn to give it back. Yeah. I mean, it's a responsibility on us to give back to the community that put us in the position that we're at today. And it's, you know, when I think back to my karate days, it's the same thing. You know, once you became a black belt, you're like, oh, I'm the cat daddy now. I can whoop everybody. But that's really not what that meant. That meant now you're in a position to make sure that these little white belts and these gold belts and these orange belts and green belts, that they had that opportunity to learn from you. So now you've been imparted with all this knowledge. You got to give it back. It's the same thing in every other industry. Once you reach a certain position, I think there's an inherent responsibility to give back. And I love the podcast industry. I love speaking on podcast stages. But at the same time, it does not really do a whole lot to drive our business forward. What are some of the basics that you wish you had known when you first started speaking? Well, I think what, some of the biggest things, man, would be that we have to provide value when we speak. You know, so many times people think that if you just get on a stage that you're going to be a thought leader but that's not necessarily the case. So there's some prep work that we need to do ahead of time. You know, we need to make sure that we understand our subject matter. We need to make sure that we have our own ducks in a row, if you would, Uh, make sure that we have a speaker one sheet, make sure we have a landing page, make sure we have a call to action for when we deliver our talk. What do we want people in the audience to do after we wrap that talk? There's, there, there's a, a few things that we really want to make sure we have squared away before we get on that stage. Yeah, I think for me, it's the way that I do my slides and the way that I prepare for my presentations. I feel like back in the day, I used to over prepare and I would try to memorize a presentation. Yeah. And that is not the way I should do it, at least. Maybe that works for other people. Um, I know it works in like the TED Talk world because they definitely are following a script. But for for me, that just doesn't work. So instead, I just put basics on the slides and I rely on my just my knowledge on that to just give the talk. So it's I don't even necessarily know what I'm going to say ahead of time. And I don't I could probably give the same presentation a few times and give it differently every time because I'm not as prepared, but I feel like that works better for me. And it took me a little bit to figure that out. Yeah. I still struggle with that myself, you know, cause I want my slides to be as detailed as possible to make sure I don't leave out any little detail that I have to deliver to that audience. But it's so funny. And I don't know how many people caught on to this if anybody did really, but when I delivered my talk this past weekend uh, at Speakonomics and I was talking about branding and I was telling the story of the red hat, I never, ever mentioned that Alex Sanfilippo said, you know, you need to lose the Supreme hat, but I love the red. I never delivered the emphasis of the red and how important the red hat was to the whole thing. I skipped over the power of it being red from the start. So it, it's it's pretty funny there because, it's you know, it's hard to deliver that message, but nobody even knew. Nobody even knew. And... I'm- I've seen that presentation and heard that story so many times. My brain probably just like auto-filled. Probably did, yeah. But the rest of the audience, they've never heard the story, but they they didn't go, oh, well, what's the emphasis? Why why is it important that it's red? I skipped over that whole color coordination there completely. So, yeah, and, and I was kicking myself in the backside for it. But 
overall, the talk went just fine. So anyways, it, it, going back to what you're saying, yes, having those details on the slides, I'm a very detailed slide kind of guy because I am afraid that I'm going to forget something. But more often than not, I see myself already speaking to a bullet point I have on a slide because just like you said, I give the talk and I'm not sure exactly what I'm going to say, but sometimes I say points ahead of time that I've already put on the slides that are coming in the future. So you got to find that balance. It can be difficult. So try to find that balance in your presentations and, and how much detail you put on your slides. But uh, it really, it's just knowing your subject matter. That's absolutely critical. And there's so many different things to being a speaker that comes into play. There's no way we can cover it all here, but know your material, have, you know, have the opportunity to, to, to reach out, you know, take advantage of the opportunity to reach out and find these chances for you to get on a stage, whether it be virtual, whether it be physical, it doesn't even matter. Just get out there right now, start talking your message, start sharing your message with an audience. And before you know it, you will be on big stages. You will be on these large stages that are somewhat intimidating. Whether you, you like it or not. Whether you like it or not, <laughs> you'll have that chance to deliver that message to your audience. Oh, I hate it. Well, I love it. And hopefully you love this episode. So. <laughs> and with that. Oh, and with that, if you found some value in this episode about potentially being a speaker, do yourself a favor, reach out and position yourself as an authority in your niche and, and start taking advantage of the opportunity to share your knowledge. So other than that, if you would, please subscribe to Branded so we can continue to bring you these amazing, obviously amazing, but unending. We have no idea how to end a podcast. It's the craziest. We, we used to. I mean, we're on episode, I don't know, almost 40. This might be oh, no, this is right 40. Here. This is 40? So we're on episode 40. And we're like, it's like oh. me at PodFest, and I don't know how to end a presentation. <laughs> well, this is me on Branded, and I don't know how to end this episode. So please subscribe so you can figure out whether or not we figure it out. Who knows? You know, we'll this learn. This is together. our brain on podcasting. There you go. I'm Larry Roberts. And I'm Sarah Lucy. We'll talk to you next week. <laughs>